Okay, here we are at Unapologetically Black Unicorns. Hey, Janelle. Hey, Malik. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Hello. Well, I'm really just so excited that both of you all are here. We're going to have this really amazing conversation because somebody told me about this cool comic book. Many people who know me know that I'm a blurred, a black nerd. So when you say comic book, I get all excited. I'm like, comic book, comic book. Oh, okay. What, what, what is this? What is this? So I'm not going to say much about the comic book um, because I want you all to introduce yourself in relation to um, this book that I'm talking about. Yeah. So my name is Malik Glass. I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, that's where I currently reside as well. I'm a software engineer for my day job. I've uh, been doing that for about four years now, and um, I'm a writer on on the side, uh, and hopefully uh, the writing can can overtake the programming one day. But in relation to the story, um, Janelle and I, we met each other in college. That's how we met each other. Then years later, fast forward, uh, Janelle had this idea for this comic book, uh, Love Conquers All, uh, and originally she pitched a film idea, right? So it was the film before the comic book. You know, she pitched an idea. She knew from the college days that I like to write. So she said, we got an idea. Let's make this happen. So what happened now? Oh, man. I mean, Malik's a brilliant, a brilliant man. You know, it was only right that we collaborated on this project, collaborated on this topic. You know, Malik was a, a philosophy major in college. I was a history major. We were both writers and we both worked in social services. I mean, prior to him doing what he's doing now. He was in social services, so he has an idea of kind of the message we're trying to get across. You know, I'm the creator, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Love Conquers All comes from many different points in my life pertaining to personal and as well as professional. Uh, But yeah, me and Malik, you know, we came up with the idea and, uh, you know, we've been working on it ever since for three years now. And uh, I mean, the comic book, I'm happy you like the comic book. So I have some yeah. questions for you regarding why you like the comic book, but um, I'm excited that you liked it. And um, it kind of just derived from our film, our script, like you said, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it started off as a script in a, in a film that you started, then switched it to a comic uh, book. Yep. Right. Okay. So when I first heard about it, uh, first, anybody else uh, has to say to me is comic book. And then I, I, I want to you know delve into it. The second thing that gets me excited about a comic book is when I see depictions of people who look like me and my family, um, which are black folk <laughs> primarily, right? So when I see people on the on the cover of the comic book who look like my brother or my cousins or me, I'm like, okay, I have got to read this story. And then because I work in in mental health, I really, really have done advocacy and work around the mental health of black and brown communities. There's something about the story that's about sort of uh, emotional well-being. This is the yeah. story that happens to people, but it's not the story that we generally know how to talk about that can um, yeah. touch and resonate with people, especially young people, very easily. So that's why I liked it. Mm, I'm, I'm, and I'm happy that you, when you read that, you caught those things. You know, we kind of wanted to spoon feed people with the idea of mental health, you know, people have this idea of mental health, you're crazy, you're, you're just all, you're homeless, you're on the side of the road, you're just, there's just this image and perception of mental health that, you know, me and Malik, we wanted to make sure that we kind of broke that stigma, but also like made it extremely relatable to what young people face today, especially young black men, what they face today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when we tell people about the story, 
We tell them it's a story of mental health. We tell them it's a story of, of like black mental health. Yeah. But, you know, we also try to emphasize that it's not just confined just to the black community, right? This is a story that hopefully anybody can relate to or anybody in a similar situation can relate to no matter what the demographics are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for sure, Janelle and I, we want to make sure we have that black representation for sure, uh, because even though it is a story that can relate to multiple demographics, it's important to see it in our demographic, right? Yeah. Like you said, we yeah. don't see it often. So kind of killing two birds with one stone right there. Yeah. And and I like how the, the the dynamic too is around a friend trying to help another friend because it is kind of how we exist in life is, you know, sometimes our friends know something is wrong and they want to help us out. Uh, we may not be able to articulate in a way. So we pull away and then the friend is kind of like, well, wait, I'm just trying to help you. And then they pull away, you know? And so how does it all sort of, I don't want to say how it all resolves itself, but where did this gem of an idea the story idea, like where did exactly did it come from? I mean, the story came from a lot of things, you know, it came from personal, you know, I, I, I can admit that. I admit that it came from my own personal experiences um, pertaining to, you know, dealing with trauma, dealing with my own trauma personally and understanding what that looks like while being in relationship. I would say this when, you know, when you're dealing with something in your life when, or when something has happened to you, or when a traumatic event happens, it's kind of like a trickle effect of your past. It's like a reminder of your past when certain things happen, especially pertaining to like death, you know, especially when you lose somebody that may be close to you, um, mm-hmm. somebody that you know from childhood to now being an adult and now they're not here, kind of understanding, you know, that grief process. The whole relationship aspect, the reason we I wanted to add the relationship component to it is because, I mean, as young people, we date. You know, we fall in love. We meet, you know, we meet partners that we enjoy, that we like. And, you know, the partners that we meet, they don't really know our story until we tell our story, you know. So, like, in the film and as well as the comic book, you see Kennedy kind of struggling with that, you know, because it's unfamiliar to him, particularly being a man, you know, a man opening up to his woman or to his lady about how he feels about things is, you know, somewhat forbidden. So I wanted to make sure we emphasized on that, that component of a young man, a young Black man, you know, living his life, but also being in relationship. That was another part of it that sort of hit me because, you know, I think back in my own life and, you know, on um, Unapologetically Black Unicorns, people, you know, have heard me talk about my lived experience of having a mental health condition. So it's not anything that I hide, <laughs> but certainly, and I talk openly about it for many of the same reasons. So people know that, well, there are examples out there of uh, people living with these conditions and, you know, doing well or doing their, doing their thing. But um, one of the things, um, you know, I recall when I was engaged was, um, you know, when I was really having struggles, I would I wouldn't, tell my boyfriend. <laughs> he had like no idea. And uh, I, I'll never forget. It was kind of, it was very much like what I was reading um, in in your in your story was like, well, you got to talk to me. You got to open up. And here I am, you know, I'm the woman. And I'm like, no, not going to happen. I can't, you know, I was really afraid to, to say what I really felt, you know, because you don't want the person to leave you. Yeah. Or look at you different. And yeah. we kind of wanted to emphasize too, a little bit that, you know, Rose's lack of understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. she, you know, people may say or may read it and be like, oh, she's coming off a little too hard. But 
I mean, she doesn't understand because he's not communicating with her. She's not, he's not mm-hmm. letting her know. And, you know, when you're in a relationship, communication is key. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, when feelings are involved and when somebody loves you and really wants the best for you and they see something is wrong and something is up, you know, they want, they want answers, you mm-hmm. know, they want answers or they want solutions on how they can help you. And I wanted to pinpoint that, that, you know, Rose's background is completely different from Kennedy. So when, you, when you're in a relationship with somebody that has trauma, you know, you have to understand the demographics or the environment that they came from. So mm-hmm. I, you know, we emphasize that a lot. Rose trying to really understand Kennedy as the individual, you know, and I think that's a lot of us in life when it comes to relationships, you know, you want to know the person that, you know, you're dating or you're involved with. Yeah. And another important aspect is it's not just a romantic relationship, right? That's detailed, right? So, of course, that's like the main relationship, but this, uh, the main character, he also runs into other people in his life and other people who he has relationships with. So, it's just furthering this concept that the people you have relationships with, just in your life in general, you know, they can, they can help you in different ways and they all might have something a little different, different perspective or different, you know, solution to, to address what you're going through. So yeah, it's like, you know, try to rely on everybody in your life, you know, and, and just know that anybody who cares for you is, is likely going to be somebody who you can go to in the end. So um, Malik, as you're thinking about your role as a writer, how did you figure out exactly how to write the story? Do you know what I mean? It's like, we can tell the story orally, we can tell the story, but then getting it down, you know, pen to paper and being able to sketch it out and have, you know, the arc and all the things that, you know, writers have to think about. How did you do that? Yeah, so of course it all starts with the idea. So Janelle had the idea and starting from there, knowing that originally we were gonna make it a film, it's kind of like, all right, so how long is this gonna be and what all do we wanna say? the length of this film we knew we wanted it to be longer than a short so right now um the runtime is looking at about 30 minutes um and some might still consider that a short film but we wanted to make sure it was like at least 30 right Mm -hmm. kind of like a mini feature in some way but so we have the content then we established kind of how long we wanted to be and what kind of things we wanted to touch on what kind of messages we wanted to touch on and then honestly, for me, the next thing was like, all right, how do we make this like not corny? <laughs> I know Janelle was thinking the same thing along the lines, but I prioritized that higher maybe than her. I don't know, because it's just that's just I don't want my stuff to come off as corny. And I know not everybody's going to like the stuff that you write. Yeah. But if you can at least present it in a way that sounds like the most relatable, like that, that was the challenge. Right. It's like make this relatable. You know, how do, how can we write a story about a young black man and make it relatable to a young Asian man? When we had to choose dialogue, we had to keep things, you know, real general mm-hmm. so that could be relatable. But we also wanted to, like, use some slang and use some stuff to make it sound authentic. You know what I mean? So when you read mm-hmm. the book, you know, it's not going to just read proper English. You know, a lot of it, it does because it's easier to read like that. You know, we could have made it more slang if we wanted, but, you know, we just try to strike that good balance. Mm-hmm. And and really like that was that was the main process to like start it all off and like you say you have the whole story arc you know that they teach us back in school you got your introduction rise in action climax fall in action conclusion all that and honestly we didn't really map that out too much it was more so just what we think are the important messages we need to get across as well as character building I feel like just 
really tackling details about characters like Kennedy. What did I, you know, I knew what I wanted him to look like mm-hmm. before we even started writing. I knew what I wanted his personality to be like. Rose, too. I knew what we wanted Rose to be like. We wanted this woman that wants to be heard by her partner, but also just this independent, fierce, you know, but very supportive, nurturing young woman. You know, representation matters. I wanted the kids that I worked with in Juvenile Hall to look at the comic book and see themselves. Mm -hmm. So you'll see Kennedy on the cover with the two gold chains. Mm -hmm. You know, these kids, they love that. They love the drip, Mm -hmm. right? That's what they say. So that's drip. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, we emphasize the culture, meaning, you know, hip hop culture, as well as, you know, the culture out here, the Bay culture, Northern California culture. So even, you know, the language that they use out here, the slang that they use out here. So we wanted to make sure that we pinpointed that. Right, right. So when you're doing that, did you did you run any of it by some of the youth up in uh, the Bay Area before it went to print or? Not running by them, but when I showed them the cover for the first time, they were like, wow. They were like, let me get that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I got you. But they were like amazed by it. And they were like, wow. hey, who did the graphics? Who did the illustration? This is mm-hmm. this is dope. That's what the terms mm-hmm. they use. This is dope. And it felt good because the cover, we caught their eye. And then once they read it, they're educated, they're learning, you know, they're learning about themselves. Right. They're, you know, they feel like the conversation that Kennedy's having with his boys or what Kennedy's having with his 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 woman is super relatable, what they've been through. So mm-hmm. they're just already gravitating, but they're learning at the same time. You know, they're learning about grief. They're learning about how to process grief. They're learning about that it's okay for a young black man to, to speak and talk about how he feels and be vulnerable. That was a great feeling for me, showing them the cover. And once they saw the cover, you know, they were more more interested in actually what the film is about. So where where is the film right now as far as kind of where is it in, in production and all of that at this point? I mean, we shot it. It's, it's ready to go. You know, I'm I'm super excited for the world to see what we have to bring to the table, not just as writers, but as artists, but also this message about mental health. Uh, I mean, it's it's different. The way we're doing yeah. it is different. You know, I yeah. feel like, you know, like Malik was saying earlier, yes, it's super relatable to everybody. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, we put a Black face on it, which I'm extremely proud about, you know, being able to give, you know, folks like me uh, a voice Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. that area, in that space, which is mental health. So, right. Right. By the way, let's give a shout out to the um, illustrator. So the illustrator is Eli Breed. Um, That's my guy. He's from uh, Vallejo, California. Uh, Originally he's, he's in Portland right now. Mm -hmm. He's super talented. You know, he has his own stuff outside of Love Conquers All, but I mean, we, we work great together. Um, We plan on doing some more work as well yeah with Eli we had originally um hired him to do the storyboard for the film yeah um and so Janelle had found him on on social media just looking for artists in the area Northern Cal area and found Eli we hired him to do the storyboard for us and then you know of course just to give you like a a breakdown of the timeline um because this was all during the pandemic, of course. So uh, Janelle pitched the idea to me back in 2019, uh, like towards the end of 2019, like fall. Mm -hmm. And so we wrote the whole script and Janelle did the bulk of the casting. We we had that all done February, January, February of 2020. 
So when we started, it only took us a few months, right? Fall 2019, going into 2020. And then like March 2020, we were going to try to start production. And then that's like when the, everything pretty much got shot down, March 2020. So, you know, just trying to think of ideas and think of other ways to, to keep the momentum. That's when Janelle came up with the idea, like, hey, you know, we have the storyboard already. So like, why not try to make a comic book out of this? Because she also thinking that Eli, you know, he by trade does um, comic books. So it's like, let's utilize what he already does. At the same time, we can keep the momentum of the film. And at the same time, we can reach a wider audience with with um, like with the youth and just anybody who will prefer like that medium right. versus a film. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of um, audible play calling <laughs> on Janelle's part. And, you know, she was a quarterback in the whole thing. And that's how we met Eli and got a great relationship. And, and like Janelle said, working on more material with them. So it's great. Yeah, that's a that's quite a story, you know, and the fact that not all of you all are located in the same place. Well, Vallejo from from uh, well, that's that's up in Northern California, but I think there is something about being able to do this in a distributed fashion and being able to work together, kind of even though you're not like exactly in the same place. So for the for the comic book, um, what kind of feedback are you getting, especially from like kids and families? Oh man, it, the the feedback that we're getting is just beautiful. You know, mm. it's it's from different types of people. You know, not just black folks. We mean, we got white folks, we got Asian folks really tapping in and reading it and really being impacted by it and really being mm-hmm. like, I, I was Kennedy. You know, I felt Kennedy or, you know, we got some of the some of the women that have read it. Oh, I feel like Rose, mm-hmm. even just young people, the young people just reading the comic book, telling me like, hey, man, like, when is the part two coming out? I'm just like, I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. But they're just like they're they're fiending for more. And just that is is powerful because it's just like our message is mental health mm-hmm. but people want more of that because we're living in a time it's hard for everybody yeah. so when people do read the comic book they do see kennedy or when they do read the comic book they see rose so that feeling is amazing and and, and it's from all walks of life all ages that we've been getting this type of feedback from yeah, I mean, because I don't think many times when we talk about mental health, you're going to see kind of like a, you're not going to see a dope cover. Let's just be, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Let's just be clear about it. But um, I also remember, and I've shown this to people before, but, and then I'm going to age myself, but it doesn't matter. So uh, when when we were growing up, my brother and I, my parents wanted to, um, because we were moving around, you know, I'm an army brat. I was born in Germany and, you know, we lived all different places, but um, my parents really wanted us to have an understanding of our history and our culture. And so um, it started with my brother, who's two years younger than myself. He got these uh, comics called Golden Legacy. I don't know if you all have ever heard of Golden Legacy comics. Yeah, y'all young. Okay. OK, so <laughs> so um, but um, there are uh, a series of comic books that was uh, uh, in the, the publishing company. I think it was Fitzgerald um, Publishing Company is a is a black publisher and they publish these comics about famous black people like Harriet Tubman and Carver and MLK. And I, I still have them. And okay, I'm going to be honest, these are from the 60s. That's how old I am. But like, just don't, I couldn't, okay, but that's it, right? So, and so the like, the, some of the covers are sort of a little torn off. But every time I look at them, it draws you in because you see yourself on that cover. Oh, and yeah. you want to read more about it. And I think 
when I saw the cover, you know, for Love Conquers All, I was like, okay, okay, yes, 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 and yes. So inside of Golden Legacy is history. And if you're not into history, it'd be kind of like, oh, this is hard boring. I don't really want to talk about this. You know, thanks for showing me a picture of George Washington Carver and you're moving on, right? But um, because it's a comic book, you get all into the story and, and it doesn't feel like it's history. It feels like you're a part of a story. And I think that's, again, sort of the power of graphic novels and, and comic books and making mental health conversation accessible and not scary. And not so, scary. Yeah. Scary whatsoever. And, you know, put, putting a black face to it. Yeah. I think that's yeah. amazing that we put ourselves on it, you know, yeah. and that people are connecting with it from yeah. Yeah. different different walks of life, different cultures. And yeah. I think that's impactful. And you said something to me too, um, Janelle, about a movement that, that this is, you know, a movement. So, so first the title, I do want to go back to something that's very powerful, which is the title love conquers all. So yeah. tell me about the title. And then also let's talk about this, this movement. So love conquers all, you know, um, it was my first tattoo that I got at 18 you know, and it's been with me. I'm 29 now, so it's been with me for some time. And I've always felt that love is the most valuable asset us as human beings can have. Love is impactful and we need love and we need nourishment and we need respect and we need um, that attention and we need spaces where we do feel loved and appreciated. So I feel like, you know, we're living in a crazy time right now in the world. And I feel like, you know, there needs to be a lot more love in the world, spread it throughout the world. That's why I named the film that Love Conquers All, because, you know, when you look at Kennedy, he's just an individual that wants to be understood and loved. That's a lot of us. I feel like we just want to be understood and loved. So that's why I named it Love Conquers All. Okay. And that's, is that the movement you're trying to push forward to? Oh, oh yeah. The movement is the movement is love, healing, you know, one taking care of themselves, one valuing themselves, loving themselves. You know, I feel like mental health is a movement. You know, it's mm-hmm. a movement right now at this moment because a lot of people are talking about it. Our generation is talking about it. You know, our parents didn't have the opportunity to have spaces where people were talking about it. You know, it was get your stuff together and, and work and survive. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. was no time to process grief or to tell your parents that, I'm, you know, I'm not feeling myself or there was no time for that in our parents' day. Black folks have been taught in this country to survive, not to live. So mm-hmm. I feel like with this, this love conquers all, it is a movement because I'm teaching mm-hmm. young black people, it's time for us to live and not survive and mm-hmm. love ourselves and to look at ourselves and to create more spaces of healing. Because I feel like a lot of us are dealing with stuff that have has been presented before us, you know, and we're in a generation where we're trying to, you know, break cycles, mm-hmm. break multi-generational trauma and be better be better individuals. So we are able to be better fathers and better mothers and better daughters and better sons. You know, we just want to be better people. So I feel like, you know, love conquers all, mental health, it's a movement. Man, it seems like from a philosophical standpoint, like Janelle said, I majored in philosophy in college and psych. So, you know, I, I got I gotta bend the perspective a little bit or it's expound upon it at least. But if you're talking about a movement and just like love in general, I mean, you know, you think about, like Janelle was saying, you got multi-generational trauma or you got like every generation having to kind of 
take up the burden of the generation before them, mm -hmm. uh, not by choice, right? It's just kind of something that, that's placed upon you. And so we're always like in a reactionary mode. A lot of times we're in a reactionary mode versus like a, a proactive, you know, creative mode, right? And so if you think about anything, you know, good or anything that succeeds, there's usually some kind of love intertwined with it, you know, any kind of positive thing that goes on, you know, any kind of positive change, it's all rooted in love. You know, love is like that baseline. And so very rarely do you see positive things come out of hate, right? So you can't say hate conquers all. You can say hate is powerful, you know, and it, and it can be forceful and it can get you things, but um, it's not really going to conquer in the way that, that we're looking at conquering things. And so if you got, if you're talking about a movement, I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. Like the only way for next generations to get better is to be on a, is to act on the basis of love, right? right? And for some people, I think it's hard to to feel love for people you don't know or that you're not too attached to. So that's like why we're not living in a super peaceful world, I think. But mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 worth the effort though, and it's worth I think for people to to keep in the back of their mind. You know, it's like why hate when you can love? You know, why make the situation worse when you can make it better? Or even understanding that hurt people hurt people. Yeah, yes. I had to mm -hmm. learn that like hurt people hurt people. That's, that's real. Right. Heal people heal people. Mm -hmm. That's the power. You know, mm -hmm. you're you're capable of healing yourself, and once you heal yourself, you're able to heal others. You know, right. but when you're hurting mm -hmm. when you hurt me, you don't like yourself, and you're just not really feeling yourself. It leads you to destruction. It leads you to hurting people. It leads you to hurting yourself. So, you know, love conquers all, you know, you have that hill of that. Kennedy has that hill of that. As you as you see, you know, you see in a comic book as well as folks, when they watch the film, they'll see that unhealthy coping skills. So I wanted to pinpoint that, you know, some people subconsciously, we don't, you know, we live in a society that tells us to drink whenever we feel some type of way or drink whenever, you, you know, you're dealing with something. And um we kind of wanted to pinpoint that 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 is an unhealthy coping skill and that there are other ways to deal with your emotions or how you feel other than drinking and partying or destructive behavior. Right. Wow. Wow. So I think that was the wisdom dropping because I'm <laughs> like, you can't see me because I'm, I'm my hands are, you know, not not in view, but, yeah. you know, I do my snapping, clapping, two thumbs up. That's all <laughs> of that was happening um, because that was, uh, you know, powerful wisdom dropping. And thank you for the philosophy lesson, Malik. Um, we always <laughs> need that, but you kept it real. You yeah. kept it super real. And I think these are messages we can all, you know, resonate with and carry forth. And it is May is Mental Health Month. So you all have something going on in, in May, again, to help build up the movement, raise the awareness, bring community and people together, spoiler alerting, but an event, an event is not a spoiler alert. So talk a little bit about what's going to happen in May for you guys. Okay, yeah. So May 21st, you know, we, we going all out, you know, we about to show out um, not just for Love Conquers All, but for Mental Health Awareness Month, you know, and I wanted it to do, I wanted it to be a celebration because I want folks to, you know, gain a better perspective and have an idea that mental health is cool. Mental health is, Mental Health Awareness Month is cool. It's something that we should look forward to as well as something that we should celebrate and something that we should normalize in our community because, you know, this month is for individuals to take care of themselves, in my opinion, to focus on themselves, to look at themselves, to love themselves a little bit more, take it easy on themselves. So, I mean, we're having this big premiere, May 21st. We are gonna have artists, we're gonna have food, we're gonna have vendors, 
we have Casey Veggies performing. He's super dope, L.A. rapper. And then we have Bossy Vibes, who is a Northern California rapper who is extremely talented. And um, we have him performing with his band. So that's going to be cool. So um, we're going to have a live band. You know, people got to come dressed up. So, you know, we're emphasizing, you know, modeling this black excellence. You know, we'll have a red carpet. We're working with a black owned beer company who is sponsoring uh, the event, not just with uh, beer, but kombucha as well, you know, on a healthier note. And then uh, we have a winery that's going to be there sponsoring it coming out of, of Napa, California. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, we're combining all the arts pretty much. You know, we're going to have live artists as well. We're going to have musicians and then we'll show the film. So that's very unique in how we're doing it. And then we also have the, um, the panel of health professionals. Uh, it's a lot. We're doing a lot that <laughs> night. But yeah, the health professionals as well. You know, that's kind of going to be the order. You know, it's mm-hmm. going to start at five. It's going to be five to ten. People can come in social hour at first, and then it's going to be an hour of a, a panel of health professionals. So uh, health professionals and young entrepreneurs um, just talking about topics of, of, of mental health and things like that, um, how they got into their careers and, and you know, how they help people and things of that nature. And then we're going to transition into the musical performances and then transition into the showing of the film. Uh, but then like Janelle said, it's on time. We're going to have live art going as well in the peripheral. Um, so yeah, it should be a, a really good, really good event. Berkeley, California, seal creative space. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be nice. You know, it's May. It's going to be nice. And, you know, my family's going to be there. You know, my people going to be there from LA, which I'm excited about. And I'm also excited off the fact that we're bridging that gap between our elders and the younger people and the young, yeah. folks. you know, the older yeah. black people and the younger black people, getting them in a space where they can have a conversation about mental health. You know, yeah. I tell folks, it's a must that we listen to our elders because they've been through a lot. They've been through a lot and they never had an opportunity where, you know, they've healed from it or they've had spaces where they could talk about it and it's okay. And they're not yeah. looked at as crazy. So, yeah. you know, giving them this better understanding of mental health is going to be exciting for me just to see yeah. the look on their face and to hear their perspective too. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a beautiful event and, you know, bringing in things that help us with our mental health, the arts and singing and music and, you know, you know, we like to dress. So um, (laughs) it makes you feel good when you put on like the clothes you want to wear and kind of get your hair done or get, your, you know, get all the shape up and do all that kind of fun stuff. So that's so important um, and bringing that together. So you're taking care of your mental health while you're talking about taking care of your mental health during mental health awareness month. I mean, you know, it's all right there. And then showing the film. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I, and I always like to say too, for, you know, May, May is mental health awareness month is the start of something that you should be doing 365. Mm -hmm. So even though the month is the celebratory month, um, it's something that we can do 365. You don't have to do it alone. You know, we had this great conversation with Danelle and Malik, got a book, got a film, got community. We're all building it up to do it together. So I want to thank you both for being on the podcast and for being unapologetically black unicorns. Woo. Yes. yes, yes. (laughs) We we appreciate you for having us. This is awesome. There's so much work that needs to be done. And there's so much work that is coming from us. Me and Malik, we we love to write and we we love ourselves and we love our community. And um, we want to be a representation of our community and we want to shine that light on our community in different ways, in different avenues. 
And so you have done and in a beautiful way. So thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to remind our listeners to please join in next week to Unapologetically Black Unicorns.